disclaimer! Most of the world doesn't share your opinion. Warning. Proceeding without caution will bring you into spoiler territory for the media displayed on screen. Timestamps are gifted in the description and comment section. Viewer discretion is advised. There's an age-old question that will continue having arguments come out of until the day comics are eradicated from the world. That question is Marvel or DC. Now, when people speak of Marvel, they bring up the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and while DC also has their own cinematic universe, it wasn't that good. But when people say DC, they're usually talking about their animated films and shows. Now I bring all this up to simply say that the opinion is that DC has good animated films and a bad extended universe. But what if I said that DC combined the two and made an animated extended universe? That's right, the first movie to ever be released in the DC animated universe was Justice League The Flashpoint Paradox, released on July 30th, 2013, but that wouldn't be the only universe. Nope, there's actually a second one called the Get ready. DC Universe Animated Original Movies. Fucking Christ. This universe specifically consists of both the movies from the DC Animated Universe and the animated adaptations of classic comic books. And there are two little neat things about this universe. One, it's still continuing to this day, even with three movies being planned to release in 2021. And two, it covers every DC property. And because this is a Batman series, I will be strictly going over the 12 movies in the universe that are primarily Batman focused. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Batman Gotham Knight was released on July 3rd, 2008, and is supposed to take place in between Batman Begins and The Dark Knight. And I guess it's not supposed to be taken as canon according to the producers? which is kind of weird. <laughs> the movie is an anthology film consisting of six different short segments, and initially I wasn't going to include this on here, but I thought that if I was going to review the 1940s Batman, then I guess I should do this one as well. The film is produced by four different anime studios, Studio 4C, B-Train, Production IG, and The Madhouse, which I personally know them for Death Note and the 2011 Hunter x Hunter. Also, every one of these segments feature Kevin Conroy providing the voice for both Bruce and Batman, which is pretty nice. The first story is called Have I Got a Story for you and was produced by Studio 4C. The plot is basically four kids hanging out while three of them tell their stories of when they've seen Batman, until eventually Batman shows up where they're at fighting what I guess is called the Man in Black. Ah, uh, first off, this art style is fucking horrendous. Everywhere I've seen has said that Gotham Knight had an anime art style, so when I saw this piss-poor Newgrounds-looking motherfucker, I was so confused and thought I was watching a completely different movie. I had to stop and look up images to see if I was watching the right film, and I could only find one image that showed this story. Batman looks like the Tick at one point, if the Tick was played by 2004 Christian Bale and was drawn by a five-year-old. The art style is so vomit-inducing it makes the Slim Shade show look like fucking modern-day Da Vinci, and the story can't save it either. It, it's so boring, and it's written in a way where it relies on the abhorrent artwork that this whole segment is just a dumpster fire. Moving on to the second segment, Crossfire, produced by Production IG. This one follows two cops heading down Arkham Asylum and then getting caught in a cr crossfire. <laughs> Crossfire. 
between the Russian and Maroni until Batman comes in and saves the day. Already the animation style has improved immensely and really brings out that anime vibe that I love. I don't know why, but this one gives me kind of a Death Note vibe, and then you get this fucking great shot of Batman, and this amazing moment. I'll kill her! I swear to God! I'll do it! I'll do it! No, you won't. There's not much I can say about the story, though. It's a very simple and pretty enjoyable experience. Third segment is Field Test, produced by B-Train, and features Lucius Fox, voiced by Kevin Michael Richardson, inventing an advanced sound sensor that does cool high-tech stuff and ends up deflecting bullets. Bruce, doing what he usually does, uses it to win a golf game, and then eventually uses it in combat, where it goes good until it ends up causing a bullet to go into someone else, and at that moment, he resigns the invention and gives it back to Fox. And oh my god, is it distracting how much Bruce looks like he's from Death Note. I know it's starting to sound like the only anime I've seen is Death Note, but Jesus Christ, look at this and tell me he doesn't remind you of Light. My biggest complaint with this segment is honestly just the design of the Batsuit. I understand it's supposed to be anime inspired, but it just comes off looking kind of weird. Other than that, it's a pretty good watch and has some of its funny moments. Fourth segment is In Darkness Dwells and is produced by Madhouse, and I already have to mention that this has the movement and feel of a Death Note episode that I was expecting from Madhouse. The segment features Batman going down in the sewers in search of Killer Croc and Scarecrow, eventually finding both of them, getting in a fight with Croc, defeating Scarecrow, and examining a soon-to-be Scarecrow victim, and escaping from the sewers, then off to an guessing the Batcave to heal his wounds. This one was a really enjoyable watch, all thanks to the art style and the movement the Madhouse brings. I will say, though, a lot of the dialogue is kind of distracting, given how the mouths look like they're saying something completely different, and there's nothing I can find of a Japanese dub being the original. As far as I know, it was only in English, so this is just kind of weird. That and also the design of Bruce and the Batsuit, I'm just not the biggest fan of. Other than that, I loved this, it was just really entertaining. The fifth segment, Working Through Pain, is produced by Studio 4C, and what the actual fuck? The art style in this just looks like regular anime, with like, kind of a hint of an Adult Swim animated show, so what in the goddamn fuck was that art style and have I got a story for you? Anyway, this one's probably the best in the storytelling aspect. It shows a bit of Bruce's origin as Batman and him training and learning how to handle his pain, something that he'll eventually have to deal with when fighting people. So he goes to none other than India and is trained by a woman named Cassandra, voiced by Parmeter Nagra. Massive apologies if I just butchered that name. Occasionally it cuts from this flashback to Batman slowly crawling his way out of the sewers and eventually ends up being met up by Alfred after collecting a ton of guns that he's found which I thought was kind of neat because it was reflecting from field tests where the victim threw his gun down the drain. Overall, I thought this was a great story showing more of the origins of Batman and even in a kind of psychological way with how Bruce lives in constant pain from his family's death. The sixth and final segment, Deadshot, produced by Madhouse, follows Deadshot showing up in Gotham so Batman must stop him. That's it. That's the segment. But I really like it. For one, the suit looks a lot better in here, and you top that off with the intense animation done during the action scenes, once again, all thanks to Madhouse, and you have a really enjoyable experience. Like, I literally only have four things written down in my notes for this because I spent the entire time being too fascinated with the segment while watching. Overall, this is another one of the highlights from the whole movie, though I will say I'm not the biggest fan of this line. You have to know your enemy, Alfred. I'd never use one, but even I can appreciate the attraction of a gun. But other than that, pretty good. Also, you can't have a Batman movie without seeing the Waynes get killed. <laughs>
Overall, this is a film that I didn't expect to like, and I came out really wanting to see a full Batman anime show or movie. Kind of like Death Note, more in like the art style, the animation, and the writing. And I have no idea why I kept thinking of Death Note while watching this, because I haven't seen that anime since April of 2020. <laughs> One thing I kind of noticed but didn't fully understand until I read through the wiki page is how every single story in here all link up in some way. The man being taken into Arkham in Crossfire is the man in black from Have I Got a Story for You. Bruce's gun collection in Deadshot is the guns he collected from Working Through Pain. The man who shoots Bruce in Working Through Pain is a scarecrow victim from In Darkness Dwells, though that's kind of weird given the ending of Darkness. Nonetheless, the fact that they all link up somehow is pretty nice. But yeah, I really like this movie and I'd love to rewatch it sometime, but I would easily skip past God of Story because of that repulsive art style. Assault on Arkham was released on July 25th, 2014, and follows the Suicide Squad having to infiltrate Arkham Asylum to get a USB from Riddler, voiced by Matthew Gray Gubbler, and I think also kill him. At least that's what Amanda Waller wants. But breaking into Arkham Asylum isn't an easy task when Joker, voiced by Troy Baker, has planted a bomb somewhere in Gotham making Batman, voiced by Kevin Conroy, eventually make his way there. The people that are a part of the Suicide Squad in this movie are Deadshot, voiced by Neil McDonough, Captain Boomerang, voiced by Greg Ellis, Harley Quinn, voiced by Hinton Walsh, Killer Frost, voiced by Jennifer Hale, King Shark, voiced by John DiMaggio, and Black Spider, voiced by once again Giancarlo Esposito. Oh yeah, there's also KG Beast, but he dies in like 10 minutes into the movie, so he doesn't really matter. His feature in this movie does so little that he doesn't even appear on fucking IMDb. <laughs> Kevin Conroy is still amazing as Batman. I just wish that they gave him white eyes because uh, the animated regular eyes look kind of weird. I've always loved Troy Baker's Joker, to be honest. Even in his debut, I thought that despite it having to sound like a younger Mark Hamill, he comes in with his own sound. Neil McDonough as Deadshot is pretty good. I don't really know much Deadshot performances, so it's hard for me to say much about his. The same goes for Greg Ellis's Captain Boomerang. John DiMaggio as King Shark is interesting though. I only know King Shark from Harley Quinn, but this one's not bad. For all I know, he might be more comic accurate. I have no idea. What I do know is that John goes into a schnitzel voice at times during this. <laughs> Giancarlo barely speaks in this movie, sadly, though there is a weird thing that comes from his character, and that's how when Batman defeats him, he's put into the Batman suit while Bruce goes into the Black Spider suit. Except when Black Spider gets outed as being Batman, Bruce is somehow wearing the Batman suit underneath the Black Spider suit. So that was weird. Killer Frost is pretty... cool. Ice puns? Really? No, but seriously, she is so fucking hot. The worst character here, honestly, is Harley Quinn. Hinton Walsh manages to pull off a kind of Tara Strong performance, which is the only thing going for her. Because on top of the kind of bad design for Harley, the writing for her is just so uncomfortable. She's gone from being this idiot in love with the Joker to someone who's moved on and hates the Joker, which is perfectly fine. It's been done multiple times and pretty well with all of them. Except in this movie, because in here, she's just a fucking horn dog because of it. Any scene that has her and Deadshot in it is extremely uncomfortable because she's constantly trying to hop on his dick. And then there's a literal sex scene between the two towards the beginning of the movie. And that is not what I signed up for. Other than that, the movie is not bad, actually. It's got some pretty good comedic scenes. Why do you talk to me like this, Waller? 
Simple. I needed to keep you babbling long enough to pinpoint your position. My... what? Best gun ever. And I have to say the action scenes in this are top-notch. The Batman invasion scene in the beginning really caught my eye with how everything was animated and the movie never goes below that. Also, this movie has quite a few times where it seems to take inspiration from the Arkham games. You have the Penguin's Lair, which looks identical to the Lair in Arkham City, along with the fact that Nolan North voices the Penguin in here, which he voiced the same character in City, Origins, and Night. The room in Arkham Asylum that houses the Joker looks like the same room in Asylum where you have Harley's boss fight. And even the Batmobile in here looks like the Batmobile in Arkham Asylum. And then the logo used in here is the exact same that's used in the games. That's a pretty neat addition to the movie. Overall, it's pretty good for the most part, but the odd amount of sexual tension between Harley and Deadshot and for some reason Killer Frost and King Shark make it kind of uncomfortable at times. I will say, the ending was pretty fucking dope. Batman and Harley Quinn was released on August 14th, 2017 and Falls Ivy, voiced by Paige Brewster, and Floronic Man, voiced by Kevin Michael Richardson, trying to turn everyone into plant people to save the planet. So due to this, Batman, voiced by Kevin Conroy, and Nightwing, voiced by Warren Lester, have to recruit Harley Quinn, voiced by Melissa Ranch, so they can be able to track down Ivy and try to convince her to step away from her plan. I fucking hate this movie. The only two positives I can give to this movie is Kevin Conroy and a 10 fucking second scene. It looks like a total dump, but trust me, it is a total dump. Everything else in this movie just wastes my fucking time and insults my intelligence. Before I get into all the reasons why this movie wastes my time, I, I just want to... I just want to talk about Melissa Ranch's performance of Harley Quinn for a second. I'm one of, like, the the two people on Earth that like Big Bang Theory. I, I don't mind Melissa Ranch on there. I fucking hate her Harley Quinn voice, though. Holy shit, this is, like, atrocious. It's not Harley Quinn at all. That accent is so strong that at points she sounds like Quinn Curio. Anything else for you today, boys? You're seeing less of Hermione's flaws. She's looking a little smooth. She's an airbrushed Hermione. That's not what I want my Harley Quinn to sound like. Quinn Curio is dope, she's a dope content creator, and I do like her voice and her accent, but that's not what I want to hear in Harley. And it, and it fucking baffles me that they were able to get Kevin Conroy, aka the original voice of Batman in Batman the Animated Series, and Lauren Lester, aka the original voice of Robin and Nightwing in Batman the Animated Series. I can understand not being able to get Arlene Sorkin, because by then she already retired the character. You couldn't get Tara Strong? Like, literally everyone. Everyone on this planet has just come to the agreement that Tara Strong is the second best Harley Quinn. You couldn't get her. You, you had to. You had to go for this. Really? 
fucking really? Anyway, on to all the examples of this movie wasting my time. Oh, Nightwing needs to go get Harley. Let's have them battle and then fuck because Harley's a horn dog now. Oh, they need Harley to go find Ivy. Let's have a two-minute chase scene that results in nothing happening in the story going nowhere. Oh, they need Harley to still find Ivy? Let's have a fart and shit joke. Oh, they need Harley to still find Ivy? Let's have her shake her ass for three minutes and then sing the entirety of hanging on the telephone while humping the microphone and shaking her titties. Oh, they need to go find Ivy? Let's have Batman get confronted before he leaves so he'll drink some milk, say a cliche corny line. Okay, boys. Let's dance. And then we're not even going to show the fight. We're just going to cut to outside the building and show the fucking Adam West action cards. Oh, they're off to go find Ivy. Let's have them fuck around in the Batmobile for a minute while refusing every offer of help. So none of this is worth anything. Oh, Harley wants to come along. Let's have her cry about her past pets that she had. Oh, Harley needs to talk Ivy out of her plate. Let's have them fight for three minutes and then to the turning point is just her pouting her lip and crying. Oh, they need Floronic Man to be talked out of the plane. Let's get this giant swamp monster to come out from the ground and have a slow lecture about the earth for two minutes and then leave without doing anything. And Floronic Man continues with his plan. Oh, they need to stop Floronic Man. Let's burn him with the match. But oh, before we do that, we'll have Nightwing and fucking Batman kiss Harley before we cut to the credits. I understand the time spent for those scenes may seem really small and quick, but God, in this movie, they feel like they go on for fucking hours. Bruce spends half of this movie just looking like he's tired of this bullshit, and I relate to that. But no, we can't even have Batman be good in a movie. We gotta have him resort to cracking jokes. There is legitimately a line in this movie that sums up the entire film. Well, that was a big-ass fucking of nothing. Look, I know I gave a pretty positive review for Batman 66, and I defended Batman and Robin in some cases. But at least those movies fucking know that they're campy. At least they know the kind of shit humor they have and the bad writing and that they're not trying to be anything different. But when you have your movie set in the same location and the same art style as fucking Batman the Animated Series, and then you reference Batman 66 humor, is when I start to have a fucking problem. You know... At least with Batman Returns, I can think of at least three scenes that I thought were good and sometimes even enjoyable. But this movie has absolutely none of that, and Bruce Timm makes Tim Burton look like a fucking saint. I would, honest to God, rather sit through the sexual tension-less scene between fucking Catwoman and Penguin, or sit through Penguin getting horny over a woman and groping them, than watch Bruce Timm get the fucking closest he's ever been to making his own Harley Quinn hentai. I'm getting really fucking tired of seeing Harley get sexualized or being written as nothing but just a horn dog because it's annoying and shits all over the fucking character. I don't need to see a guy trying to grow up Harley. I don't need to see Harley get on Nightwing's dick. I don't need to see Harley shake her ass and her fucking tits. Fuck off! And none of this is surprising given how this was released a year after the killing joke and that stupid fucking prologue and that bullshit disgusting Bruce X Barber romance because you want to take a wild fucking guess whose idea was it to have them fuck on a rooftop? The same guy who was probably the reason why Barber got horny for Bruce and Mystery of the Batwoman. The same guy who has literal fucking drawings of Joker and Harley from the animated series fucking each other. Fuck this movie and fuck you Bruce. Wait, who created this movie again? Oh. Well, let's see if he can make up for himself. Batman Soul of the Dragon was released on January 12th, 2021. It shows the origin of Batman while also just being another Batman story that does absolutely nothing new. The most new thing this movie does is add elements of a karate movie into Batman's origins. 
and that's basically it. The film constantly goes through flashbacks of Bruce, voiced by David Keantoli, training in martial arts, where he's taking this class by this old dude who, according to IMDb, is called Osensei, voiced by James Hung, and he's taught alongside with Richard Dragon, voiced by Mark DeCassos, Ben Turner, voiced by Michael J. White, Jade, voiced by Jamie Chung, Rip Jagger, voiced by Chris Cox, and Shiva, voiced by Kelly Hu. And when it's not doing Batman the Karate Kid, it's just got this generic story of a dude trying to steal a door so he can summon a demon into Gotham, so Richard and Bruce have to go searching for their old classmates, align them together, and stop the villain. I mean, I guess it's not a bad movie, but it's also just painfully generic. Also, this movie was so fucking incredibly boring for the first half hour, which doesn't sound like much, but the pacing in this movie is so bad. The half hour runtime feels like two hours. But anyways, movie's boring until they meet up with Shiva, and then it kind of takes a turn and starts showing action, which honestly the action in this movie is pretty good. But then we cut back to the flashbacks where those are, once again, boring as shit until the one with Ben and Rice where then it gets a little bit more interesting and entertaining. Then the movie starts having a good pace once again and becomes a bit fun, and then by the final fight, I just honestly stopped paying attention. This movie can be summed up to if Mask of the Phantasm was a Karate Kid movie and was generic as generic can be. I guess maybe if you have a thing for karate movies, the flashback scenes might interest you, but personally for me, I'm not the biggest fan of karate movies. I can at least say the voice acting is solid. David is a pretty good Bruce and Batman, despite his Batman not showing up until half an hour in and then leaves and then doesn't show up for another 30 minutes. And Josh Keaton's in here as Jeffrey Burr, who's the main villain. I, I genuinely don't remember them ever actually saying his name, by the way. But anyways, he's my definitive Spider-Man, so it was nice seeing him in a Batman movie, given how, you know, Spider-Man and Batman are the two comic book characters that I like and care about the most. Everyone else is fine. James Hong as O-sensei is pretty entertaining, I guess. Same goes for Michael J. White. Shiva is a complete badass in here, I'll give her that. Fool. You gave up your weapon. I am the weapon. So that's pretty much it. There's not much else I can say about a movie that doesn't do anything new and interesting. The most interesting thing it does is end on a cliffhanger, which means there's probably going to be a sequel to this that I might end up having to watch and review later down the line. Yay. So I guess to answer the question at the beginning, did Burst Tim make up for himself? I mean, I guess technically, but it's not that hard to do something better than Batman and Harley Quinn. But the product is just so bland and generic, it can't even light the candle, let alone hold it close to the original animated movies, and that includes Mystery of the Batwoman. That substance-less movie ends up having more substance and interesting ideas than this mediocrity. So yeah, I, I guess it's not a bad movie, just a boring one, which is actually kind of worse. Hell, just look at these reviews of Batman and Harley Quinn and this movie. One second I was yelling, which produced some banger-level content in my opinion, and the next second, I barely have anything to say, which probably makes this the most boring section of the video. And I wasn't even planning on including this movie for that reason, and also because it, it came out after I already wrote, recorded, and edited this video, but I thought that it has to do with the DCU, so I should probably include it anyways. Hope you're happy.